This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave Command Center here in the Melon Law Studio in the piney woods of north central florida which is god's country we're out of the new york cities we're out of the yankee country like wisconsin and crazy places like that and minnesota and um you know just places up there in yankee land that uh really don't live in the real world so we're here right here in the mix of the hot spots right in the state of florida where we're doing really really well with our governor DeSantis, who has uh, kept us, uh, I was listening to the financial health report of the state of Florida uh, yesterday, and it is really impressive. Uh, by being austere and not uh, spending more than we make and um, being sensible about COVID uh, and being tough on uh, uh, pushing back the federal government and the craziness of Biden, uh, we've managed, and by golly, you have to realize that we breathe, we barely barely made it with DeSantis. Um, this Gillum was absolutely the worst of the worst and barely, barely did we keep him from being the governor of the state of Florida. And I like to think that the Ward Scott Files had something to do with that because we knew what that guy was all about. We had been watching him from day one from tips we'd been getting in Tallahassee and how corrupt it was there with him. And we just kept the pressure on, kept feeding out inf uh, information to various outlets underneath the uh, radar, if you will, so to speak. And, um, you know, it all still almost didn't make it. Uh, we had a local sheriff actually endorse, Sadie Darnell actually endorse Andrew Gillum. Uh, I think it cost her the election. Uh, well, some part it did. Um, it's just nuts to go with these crazy people who are, um, and you know, if all you have to do is do kind of a litmus check by going out to the Facebook and and looking at the comp, you can always tell birds of a feather flock together. And um, I've been watching uh, the, the friends list of the crazy uh, commissioner, and it's it's all for the little Looney Tune people. So you you know it's um uh, it's out there, and we have a real explanation for it. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit today because. Uh, who knows, but what is not true? Um, I got to tell you that uh, I've joked about it, but, uh, you know, now it may actually have some substance to it. I've always joked that the one explanation for just how crazy the city of Gainesville is and the community around it, uh, which spawns all these weird creatures who become your political leaders who uh, don't have a clue about what they're doing, but think they're on the moral high ground. And you can take just about any of them. And they, they're very arrogant, speak down to the public. They're afraid of the public. And I don't know how it is where you all are. Yeah, you know, Plantation and Mark, or can't hear you guys are. But it's uh, it's definitely eat up with the stupids here. And I always said that um, the basic reason for it was that in 1947, okay, a, uh, a UFO landed here by golly, in 1947, and uh, landed by the Lake of the Stupids. And um, we got a lake like that around here, and, uh, and it, it landed there, and it dumped out, if you will, of the building block DNA matter, or whatever you want to call it, for what began to populate the city of Gainesville. And now that thing has a Come, uh, come, come into full living uh, color and application here uh, as never before. So I, you know, I've never been one to discount all kinds of explanations for the world we live in. I'm 
basically have the soul of the artist. I tolerate about any freak there is. And, um, and you know, I, 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 you know, Harry Cruz is a friend of mine and he wrote about freaks and we used to talk about freaks a lot. And of course, a lot of people are familiar with the term freaks from the circus um, because it's step right up and see that two headed baby in the bottle of formaldehyde. And every time I'd fall for that, step right up and see the woman with the beard. Every time I'd fall for that, they'd be these small uh, country rule fairs and every one of them would have the freak show. And hey, I'd go, I, that's made my main draw. I want to step right up and, and see the two headed baby in the bottle of formaldehyde. Um, you know, <laughs> and so I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all ears, man. Heck, who's to say there ain't no UFO. And, you know, we went through when I was a youngin, uh, uh, a spasm of you, a great UFO films. Um, third encounter is really a classic. I think is the name of it. Um, it, it and by the way, I was pumping iron one time in the Santa Fe college gym, a gym, which I started. Uh, we started out with one Olympic set and a lifting platform, and uh, we had it kind of in a closet. And I, I told the guys in PE, listen, if I'm going to be out, I got to have a place to pump iron. So basically, they built a thing for me. And then next thing you know, I had several students in there grinding the iron with me. And so eventually, we expanded it into a full-fledged gym. And uh, it's a great little gym now at Santa Fe College. But anyway, I was in the gym one day pumping iron. Uh, with a guy that uh, I sort of took a liking to, took a liking to me. He was a boxer. And uh, uh, we got to talking about UFOs. And back at that time now, you can go back and research it. There was this flurry of UF sighting, UFO sightings around High Springs, Florida. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, it made the papers. I, I, you know, I guess if you went back and and, and search through the fish down at the big library, which I assume they still keep all this stuff, um, you'll see it. Uh, by the way, if you're getting an in and out on this Facebook thing, you can switch over to YouTube. Absolutely clear picture right now, except I won't be able to see your comments. Uh, but other than that, you can see an uninterrupted vision of the show right now on YouTube. Uh, you won't have this live video interrupted stuff. That's not our problem. That is Facebook's problem. And I don't know whether they're doing it to us on purpose or what, but uh, I think it's happening on other shows too, not just mine. So um, if, you, if you're really irritated by it, switch, flip over to YouTube. Um, I hate to say that, but, um, you know, I don't see your chats, but that's okay. You got the Melton Law hotline, 352-325-3938. And uh, that's right, Ken. I was pumping iron to Santa Fe when we, when we were roommates. So I was in there one day, and this guy was from, from High Springs. And um, we were just, you know, and I took him as a pretty sober-minded dude. He wasn't a nutcase. He was a guy that, you know, I wouldn't hang out with a nutcase who didn't make any sense. I might hang out with a freak, but not with a nutcase. So, uh, well, I don't know if I might have held, hung out with one didn't know him. But anyway, um, this guy started, told me a chilling story, and he even started whispering when he told it. He said he was lying in bed in his bedroom. He lived in High Springs out in the, in, in the country. And he looked out into the pasture and there was this glow out there, this intense glow it settled onto the pasture grass. He'd never seen anything like it in his life. And he knew right away it wasn't anything, any phenomenon that he'd ever seen before. And he told me that after the thing disappeared, he went out there to that spot in the pasture and it was compressed and somewhat darkened from whatever energy it used to, to leave. And then he found some sort of uh, 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 residue, which he collected up and took to the scientists. It was in kind of a, a solidified putty rock form. And um, that might have been UFO poop. I don't know what it was, but he didn't either. And he told me this with great trepidation. Now, that prompted, you can go back and look this up. There's a sheriff's deputy about the same time on patrol in the rural area, of the High Springs area, who recounted this same experience. And there was this flurry of visitations. Now, this would have been 
a circa uh, 70, you know, right around the early 70s, late 60s, probably long in there somewhere. Uh, maybe a little later, maybe, maybe, maybe on up in the 72, 73, somewhere in there. Just a flurry. Go look it up. And if you if you care to. And there it is. So I've always joked that the reason we've got so many oddballs in the Gainesville area here is that they got dumped out of that dead gum thing that night up in High Springs by the lake of the made their way down to the lake of the stupids and grew up and became the city fathers and mothers and weirdos and, you know, of whatever the city is run by right now. So we've got an actual extensive article right now. I think um, production is going to put on the screen here in a second. The, the image that's out most right now that we've seen in several publications. Let's take a look at that, Evan. I'm a little bit. There it is. This is the one that um, seems to have been seen. Uh, by a lot of Navy pilots uh, and other forms of people who ply their trade in the, in the, in the, in the air as, as pilots. And um, uh, obviously reptilians. Yeah, that's the one we've been seeing. And, and now NASA says uh, they, and this is, this is this, I don't know what you think about this, but NASA, this is a, uh, this is a scientific um, uh, admission out of the, uh, let me see the publication, John Rogers in the U.S. Sun uh, is, re is responsible for putting this material together. NASA admits uh, in, a, in an actual official report that aliens may have already visited the Earth and uh, that uh, they are not closing anything to the possibility that extra extra, as we say in Georgia, extra terrestrial life exists. Um, the report says it's not found any credible evidence. Come on down here to Gainesville. We can show you plenty of credible evidence. Uh, but NASA's science missions are working uh, together to try to determine unmistakable signs of life beyond Earth. I don't discount what my buddy in the gym told me that day because he wasn't, as I say, a, a nutcase. He wasn't, uh, you know, drinking some strange, you know, weight guys do drink concoctions, but it's not strange. It's protein powder and, you know, pretty typical stuff. So, you know, he wasn't drinking some off the wall, you know, deal. He was a pretty common sense guy. And uh, he hushed his tone whenever he talked about this. That's how much it alarmed him. Um, so there is quite a discussion now officially in official reports, leaving open entirely uh, the probability. Now, it's, it's gone beyond possibility, almost in the probability uh, that there are no questions that there have been unidentified flying objects. And we've just got a, pic a picture of one that we tossed up on the screen here. Um, uh, the Pentagon is involved in this a report. Uh, there's been a series of mysterious flying objects that um, military uh, in, in, in military airspaces. And as you, you know, there's a standard issue discount of what they could be. Oh, it could be the Russians and gas, escape, you know, all, I don't know, whatever. The, the, the fact remains, they don't know what it is. <clears throat> uh, there are they examined 144 reports. Uh, of encounters that the government came away deeming unidentified aerial phenomena. Um, they had only one case out of the 144 that could be put down to airborne clutter. And the other 143, they couldn't just readily find an explanation for. Um, they have also tried to explain in a way as some major technological advancement by China or Russia, and they can't really get there with that. Um, they have uh, uh, really no clear indications. And my man in the gym never saw, he said he saw a guy get out of the apparatus that landed in the field. All he saw was the apparatus land, and then he saw evidence that there'd been something there, but he never saw anything other than that, whatever that was, they, they, just, they put out of the vehicle. Um, 
which he did take to the scientists. Um, so they've all, you know how it goes. They've gone through foreign intelligence collection programs. Uh, that doesn't explain it. Uh, they're putting a lot of, I say, just come to Gainesville you'll, and go to the city commission meeting or uh, walk around with some of these weirdos and you'll, you'll, you'll see what you, what you got. Um, a senior NASA official said that uh, 21 of the reports of these unidentified flying objects appear to have, and this is a quote, appear to have some sort of advanced propulsion system or advanced technology for travel. Um, that's the thing that gets them, is this thing can appear and disappear in, uh, in speed of that we can't explain with our traditional uh, 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 and plantation marks as a UFO did land in South Hill back in the 50s, as witnessed by the police. So there's been a lot of sightings by normal, if you will, normal people. Um, but the, um, you, the Pentagon has now come out and said that uh, there have been mystery aircraft clustered around the United States military bases and testing grounds that they can't explain. And this is a turning point uh, for the U.S. government, so writes the uh, author of the article. Uh, after the military spent decades uh, deflecting and debunking and discrediting observations of UFOs, and, and quote the old one, flying saucers. I love that one. Flying saucers go back to, to the 1940s. Um, but uh, um, that didn't stop the sightings, okay? Uh, they travel, the U.S. Navy pilots say, what alarms them is that these objects, which they have recorded images of, and we had one here a minute ago, when they flip it up, it may still be, I don't know if it is or not, these objects travel at hypersonic speeds, spinning and mysteriously disappearing almost faster than a human eye can observe it. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Pentagon has been given the green light to set up a real life X-Files office, which is entirely dedicated to investigating UFOs and attempt to capture or exploit one of the mysterious crafts. Good luck. Um, this um, uh, um, this is uh, really reached a place where it now has official curiosity, if you will, official curiosity. Um, some reports even say uh, that the UFOs have been witnessed emerging from or plunging into the ocean. Um, uh, there was a high profile encounter, for example, with the USS Nimitz which saw UFOs, which were sighted by its aircraft pilots off its warships um, in the air as they were coming off the, off the, off the flat tops. Um, so the US uh, Navy people and the top spy people have got to get uh, uh, an answer because they have admitted this is really probably a concern for intelligence services but we just don't know where these mysterious objects are coming from. Um, um, there's been a string of, since 2017, it seems that there's been an increase in the number of sightings by responsible, sober-minded people uh, who all of a sudden have encounters with them. Um, the, uh, uh, it's been known as the unidentified flying objects. I think they're gonna change it to UAP. So probably you won't hear UFO much more. You'll hear UAP, which is the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. That broadens the spectrum a little bit, um, allows them to provide maybe a little more resources to looking at the types of, uh, of uh, phenomenon it could be. Um, but... Uh, uh, you know, airport airborne clutter doesn't do it of the, of the ones that, uh, uh, you know, maybe one out of 144. But there's uh, no clear indications that this is part of a foreign intelligence collection program. Uh, there's no indica clear indications that it's coming from our Earth, so to speak. In fact, the indications are really the opposite because we don't have any or know of anybody who has the propulsion technology. Uh, that these craft appear to have. Um, <clears throat> they, uh, 
which is the big key, some sort of advanced propulsion or advanced technology. Um, so I, I just have some fun with, I wanted to enter it into our discussion today because heaven forbid, you know, we know that there've been UFOs around here because we live around these Gainesville nutcases. Oh boy, you know, the, you know, I'm having some fun with it. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. You know? Well, you know, the other thing that I've been kind of curious about, because there's been some people who watch, who are fans and listeners and all that, who keep talking about uh, something which they insist we really have is a constitutional republic. And I ran across this in my research. I started taking a look, students, at um, what this constitutional republic um, obsession was, you know, um, you only really hear it from what I would call extremists on the political spectrum or what could be called extremists. Um, you know, every political spectrum have extremists on both ends. Uh, and on the one side of it, uh, picture a teeter-totter, you have the extremists who absolutely want the Constitution to be absolutely letter interpreted. I tend to side more with them. I darn sure don't side with the ones on the other side of the continuum. I don't think the language means anything. I can't get there. I can't get there. So I, I get closer to those who are originalists. I mean, that's really the way I interpret the poems, and that's the way I interpret Shakespeare. But you got to be pretty smart to understand these things. You just can't record. You know, you have to have a literacy quotient uh, to be able to understand it. For example, it took me a while to understand the use of the word become in Shakespeare in the final scene of Hamlet, when Fortinbras enters and says, this site becomes the field. Now, Fortinbras is a warrior. He has come in at the end of Hamlet to, to thank Claudius, the king, for allowing him to cross and beat up on Poland without being attacked by Denmark as he crosses Denmark's sovereign territory. Uh, so he was going to thank uh, Claudius for allowing him to do that and not betraying him because Claudius could have tricked him and let him cross and then stopped him and attacked him. But Claudius let him, and the reason Claudius didn't do it is because he's preoccupied with a domestic uh, power issues inside the kingdom, just as we are right now. It's very analogous to what's going on with us, with Russia and China. While we fiddle around here over these race issues, which are really redundant, and and um, you know we've already, uh, you know we've already settled all that and, and and put in power, put into place documentations and practices, and the more we drag that out, uh, the more we quibble internally, the more vulnerable we'll be externally. Now that's that's nothing new. If you read literature. All the playwrights who had good sense uh, understood this, and Shakespeare certainly understood it. So when uh, Fortinbras comes in, which means strong arms, uh, um, when he comes in to thank Claudius, he finds everybody dead. He finds Claudius dead. He finds Laertes dead. He finds Hamlet dead. He finds the queen dead. Uh, and there's a great conversation there that the students never get. <clears throat> and the first thing that the Fortinbras says to Horatio, who is the smartest man in the play, who is Hamlet's friend, you always can tell people by their friends. You can do it on Facebook. If you see a bunch of nutcases uh, on a person's Facebook page, uh, the, generally the person's page, the, that person's the nutcase and has drawn them like moth to light. So here you, you, here you have an instance of where uh, in walks uh, Fortinbras and he says, oh, where is this site? Which is, what is this? And what, basically what he said, what is this? Where is this site? In other words, where do I put this in the continuum of experiences I've had? You know, I've never seen anything like this. Where is this site? Where, where, where do I find precedent for this? Where is this site? And Horatio says, the best line, perhaps, in the great lines, oh, what is it ye would see? 
Oh, oh, magnificent. What is it you would see? In other words, you're going to look at this site through the prisms that you live with. The next line is this becomes the field. I looked at that word become. This site becomes the field. I thought, what? And that got, you know, what he means is the war combat field, which he's just, you know, enjoyed because it has rules. Has rules. War has rules. Domestic war doesn't. Are you, are you with me? Domestic war, like we're in right now, this war that Pelosi and these people are waging that's taking up all of our time and making us vulnerable to decline, which we are doing, this war has no rules. And you can't figure out who the enemy is. And you can't figure out who the friend is. It's chaos. And Fortin Ross, a military man, understands that you can't fight a war with chaos. You've got to have a strategy. You've got to have a battle plan. And you've got to carry it out. Everybody has to know his role. You can't just come in half-cocked. So he looks at this field. He looks at this scene and says, this site becomes the field. This site becomes the field. I feel more comfortable at war, basically, for Ross is saying, than I do in this domestic battle zone. It's a fantastic interchange, a brilliant give and take. If you understand it, you, the whole life that you live falls into place. You understand exactly what they're talking about. This war that we're in right now, which I'm joking about, has to do with these aliens coming to the earth. It's our internal war. We are in domestic war and it's chaotic and you don't know who the friends is, friends are, you don't know who the enemies are, you don't know who's lying to you, you don't know who's telling you the truth. You can't trust your neighbor, you can't trust your families. The blacks exploit it, the liberals exploit it. The conservatives are quiet about it. They don't know how to fight back. It's just total chaos. And I talked yesterday, for example, with some people who are analyzing the Civil War, which I've written about and published about. You know, there was a, there was a mistake made, but we can't really blame them. Lee fought the war like he was taught to fight the war at West Point. And he fought people who were his classmates at West Point. So they taught, they fought each other using the military strategy that they had learned at West Point. You know, big engagements, pow, pow, your line against my line. It should never have been fought that way. It should have been fought the way Bedford Forrest wanted, wanted to fight it. Guerrilla warfare with a critter company that would hide and run and dart and confuse the enemy and infiltrate and you know, then you could have pounded the Yankee because the Yankee didn't know the woods like the Southerner did. The Southern, it was his woods, the Southerner's woods. So you draw the Yankee into the woods and don't confront him with a big line of men. The way you were taught at West Point, sneak, sneak and intimidate. We know that guerrilla warfare works. One sniper. If there were one sniper shooting and you couldn't catch him in the city of Gainesville, you would shut the entire city down with fear. With fear, probably within 12 hours at the most, maybe less than that. One guy shut down the interstate for five hours the other day. One little creep ran off into the woods fired at the cops, and the cops shut the interstate down out of fear for five hours. I don't know what that cost the truckers. I don't know what that cost. But one kid, one kid, 
He didn't even have an AR-15. He didn't even have a grenade launcher. He had nothing but a pop gun, which would kill you, of course. But he wasn't, you know, out there with the army. Shut the entire friggin' interstate down. That's how effective guerrilla warfare is. That's how effective it is. That kid didn't even know he was a guerrilla warrior. So that's where we are. And I am never wrong. And you tell me how you, we're going to extricate ourselves from it. You tell me. You can't trust anybody. This site becomes the field. We're going to take a little break. Maybe it is those UFOs. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, You can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Check this out, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, Help me. Help. Help. Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell, wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell, he just wants to be like. Well, 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 I'm going to uh, segue into Professor Ward Scott here back in the uh, Warthog Man Cave Command Center in the Mellon Law Studio. And um, reach me by 352-325-3938. Or if you're tired of being interrupted, you can watch us on uh, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You talk about hoaxes. I'm looking at some of the comments here. You talk about hoaxes. And um, we just got a classic one. And it's a Jussie Smollett conviction. But I'm not so much interested in the Jussie uh, Smollett conviction as I am to how the media reacted to it initially, how the media took it seriously. Now, here's why the media took it seriously. You know why. It was a, it filled in all the boxes, okay? It filled in all the boxes. Here was a black guy, okay? Check off that box. That's real important. Um, You know, then here was a gay guy. Um, Check off that box. That's important. That we have that in in the um, in the equation, and um, of course, check off um, Hollywood. And I'm looking for my article here that I want to use. Um, check off all those boxes. It fills all those boxes, does it not? I mean, it's just wonderful um, the way everything is 
falling into place if you want to be uh, in a spasm of misinformation and you're a um, reporter. Um, you've got all kinds of um, of uh, material there that covers for you. You almost can't go wrong if you start. Um, and he had, a, let's put one more thing in there. He had a Trump hat on, right? Make America great again, something like that. Um, you got, <laughs> you, you got to realize what you're dealing with here, uh, that it filled everything, the hate crime. This was a hate crime. And of course, it was logical that it would have been Trump who did it because that's what the bandwagon everybody was on. So uh, uh, here we go. We have this um, rush, if you will, to public judgment in the, in the uh, media. And um, this is another thing that I'm talking about that Shakespeare was fully aware of. If you lie too much to each other inside your own country, you become vulnerable to attack from, um, you know, uh, countries outside yours, and you you don't even have know that they're on your territory. You're so caught up with what's going on here uh, locally, and trying to swarm off, fight uh, off all the bees and things that are coming your way. Um, uh, you know, as these as these um, boxes get checked, and as you exploit them, and as you you um, rush to write about it and make your deadlines and um, uh, all that business. Why, you know, um, um, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful world. So the the uh, timeline. Let's go through it. That's what I'm looking for. Um, let's see if we can find. A, a, this is the Breitbart coverage of this. Jussie Smollett was convicted Thursday on charges that he lied to Chicago police. He was, so so that's another one. You see, the cops are out of favor. How many boxes have we checked off so far? The cops are out of favor. Uh, Hollywood is, you know, Holly weird. Uh, we got a gay black and we got a Trump hat. So he was convicted finally after all this time of lying to Chicago police. Uh, he was a former actor. He was an R&B singer. He said he was the victim, and this is all the boxes, of a racist, homophobic attack. And uh, we go back through time. On January 22nd, here's the timeline. January 22nd, 2019, Smollett receives a racist and homophobic threatening letter at the studio in Chicago where Empire is filmed. Police now believe that he sent the letter to himself himself. On January 29th, he tells police he was attacked by two men in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. Now, this is political theater, really. But this is political theater to do damage at, to a sitting president. OK, that's what it's basically about. I think so. Uh, he's a, he says he was attacked by two men in downtown Chicago at 2 a.m. You know, that's credible. Who isn't attacked in Chicago? So the actor says the men used racist and homophobic slurs, wrapped a rope around his neck. There you go. Now that takes us back to the South. And that's a trigger point for all the blacks who, oh, my God, somebody tried to lynch him, all this stuff. This dude is pretty dead gum evil now. And that somebody poured an unknown substance on him. It could have been gasoline. I don't you know, who knows? Police say that Smollett, who is black and gay, told detectives the attackers also yelled, are you ready for this? That he was in MAGA country. Huh? And this was obviously a reference to Donald Trump, make America great again. It's not much different, really, is it? From uh, Hillary Clinton calling everybody deplorable. What a witch, you know? And they were trying to, therefore, through political theater, which he's orchestrated and directed himself, cast Trump and all of his followers as racist and discriminatory. I've been called a racist. Tina Certain ran her mouth at the school board about me and Tim Martin. What a crazy woman. Are you kidding me? 
I mean, I, that, I mean, it's just one more. Get, put, put that one on the list. So the cops had to review hundreds of hours of surveillance footage. They saw Smollett walking downtown, but they didn't see an attack. And they obtained an, an images of two people who were people of interest that they wanted to question. Uh, meanwhile, Smollett's, listen, you may have forgotten this, Smollett's family issues a statement uh, calling the attack a hate crime. Boy, we got everything. Now we got the federal government involved. You see, this is not just Chicago where somebody's being killed every second. And it's black on black crime. Um, this is hate crime, federal government. So uh, Smollett then issues a statement saying he's okay and that he's working with authorities and that he has been 100% factual and consistent on every level. Huh? On February 2nd, 2019, he opens a concert in West Hollyweird, California, with an emotional speech saying he had to play the show because he couldn't let his attackers win. Huh? Now, on February 13th, the cops pick up two brothers at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport after the cops learned that one of them at least worked on, this, on, on Empire. And they questioned these guys who were returning to Chicago from Nigeria and searched their apartment. On February 15th, the cops, Chicago police, released the brothers without charges after arresting them on suspicion of assault and holding them for nearly 48 hours. A police spokesman says at that point, they're no longer suspects. On February 16th, this is all in 2019, the police say the investigation has shifted after detectives questioned the brothers and requested a follow-up interview with Smollett. And Smollett's liars, are you ready for this? I mean, they all get involved in this crap. Say that Smollett feels victimized. That's another one of the boxes you next you need to check off. Uh, you feel victimized because there's nobody in the room who looks like you or any number of ways to be to feel victimized. So now he's gay, he's black, he's a subject of hate crime, he's had a rope around his neck. He has been attacked by guys who like Trump. Um, what am I leaving out? He's Holly Weird. This is the whole, this is the whole package. This guy, they ought to build a statue to this guy. You know, tear down General Lee like they did in Charlottesville and put this guy up instead. So he he says he feels his liars say that he feels victimized. Then on February 17th, the Chicago cops, uh, through his liars, say they want to interview him again because they have new information. On February 19th, um, the top prosecutor from Cook County um, recuses herself from the investigation. Recuses herself because it turns out she's familiar with the victim. She knows the guy. I mean, that was kind of good of her because most of them wouldn't do that. So then the prosecutors on February 20th charged Smollett with disorderly conduct for filing a, force, a false police report about the alleged attack. Then on February 21st, the cops say that Smollett surrenders to face a felony charge of disorderly conduct punishable by up to three years in prison. Now, at that point, the Chicago cops say that Smollett staged the attack because he was unhappy with his salary and wanted publicity. The investigators say they have a $3,500 check that Smollett used to pay the two brothers to help him. Um, anyway, 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 um, um, they dropped the charges that he lied to the cops. You know, the guy's still getting... Uh, justice tweaked in his behalf. Um, Chicago wants to give back 130 grand for the cost of 
the phony investigation or the unnecessary investigation into his reported beating. Uh, all these things are kind of uh, still going on in 2019. Um, you know, it took thousands of documents and investigations to uncover this crap. Um, now the brothers want to file a defamation suit against Smollett for getting them dragged into this fiasco. What is the bottom of this? What is the bottom of this in your mind? <clears throat> what do you think? What is the bottom thing that's going on in America that is encapsulated with Smollett's uh, situation? I'm just curious to see if any of you all um, have any opinion about this. Um, what is what is it? What is it about? Looking here. Well, this exploitation of domestic confusion and chaos that we are involved in now in our civil war in America, United States of America. Uh, we are in a civil war. Um, you know, we've got somebody trying to subpoena the president and blame the former president uh, and, and uh, blame the foreign president for um, starting this so-called insurrection. <clears throat> yeah, I can't lie. The truth doesn't really matter. It's, it's, it, if the lie applies, you use it. So I was interested in the timeline of Smollett because it's, um, it's a hate crime hoax and it dragged on <clears throat> for years. I mean, a couple years. 2019, 2020, 2021. Wow. It's, it's, um, it's something else. Promise I won't talk about COVID unless I have to. I found something interesting about COVID, but I'm not going to talk about it unless I have to. Huh? That'll make you say, oh, please talk about it. Y'all have heard of the Inquisition going on right now, haven't you? Um, really, the title of the show should be today, The Hoax is Not Just Hate Crime Hoax. Well, we got so many hoaxes going on in America right now. And I think one of them is the um, so-called trial to find out about the ins so-called insurrection. that garbage. But this I ran across in my research students that um, was interesting. Mark Meadows, whom I've met personally, nice guy, really very nice guy. He is from the western part of Carolina in the rural part, down home guy. Uh, his only mistake in life was that he was um, uh, I, I think he became Trump's chief of staff. So now, of course, they want to drag Mark Meadows in, Pelosi and that lying crowd of thieves, um, pencil neck, bug eyes, Schiff, and then Fat Jerry uh, and Palsy Pelosi. They want to drag uh, Meadows in and put the crime light beam on his shirt till it burns a hole in his necktie. And... Um, make him squeal or you know or be hanged those are the choices you either be you either squeal and say what we want you to say or we hang you and by the way hang is the word for the execution by rope not hung don't let me hear you say that students if you've been in my class because if you say something like he was hung uh, you're me you're not talking about termination of life by a rope you're talking about <clears throat> something else. So if you say he was hanged, then I know what you're talking about. So Mark Meadows has done something that may, according to the experts, um, have a uh, an effect on the entire House Select Committee on the January 6th attack known as the insurrection. Uh, he has filed a lawsuit 
in the federal court, okay, um, let me make sure I understand what I'm getting ready to share with you. Um, uh, he has filed a lawsuit in the federal court. Um, and of course, CNN has played it down. The other establishment media has played it down. They've called it a last ditch effort by a desperate man to avoid a subpoena. It doesn't make it that great. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? What is where is the site? What is it you would see? Where is the site? What is it you would see? I'll tell you what I see. I see an internal decay of the country because of crap like this. A last ditch effort by a de man desperate to avoid a subpoena. Never even talking about the unconstitutionality of the committee itself, which is what the lawsuit argues and is going to argue in a federal court that the committee is unconstitutional and violates its own house rules. Hey, hello. I've been telling people that he who makes the rules can change the rules or ignore the rules or bend the rules or cheat on the rules because he makes the rules. That's your politician. And the only way you can catch him generally is through a free and open press, which we don't have. So the lawsuit, according to the legal eagles, is a serious threat to the very existence of the committee. Let's pray that the lawsuit wins. The lawsuit argues that the committee is violating the Constitution's separation of powers by encroaching on executive privilege, which it is doing. Um, to one example is uh, Trump aide uh, Stephen Bannon. He's been prosecuted by the, this apolitical Department of Justice for contempt of Congress. Supposedly, the Department of Justice is apolitical. It is more politicized than it was even under Obama's cronies. Also, Meadows' lawsuit points out that the Insurrection Committee violates the terms of its own enabling resolution, which is House Resolution 503, which provides that the committee shall, shall consist of 13 members, five of which shall be appointed after consultation with the minority leader. Guess what? That committee only has nine members, seven of whom are Democrats, and only two of whom are hand-picked anti-Trump Republicans. Speaker of the House, Nancy Palsy Pelosi, rejected the five members chosen by the House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy which is unprecedented in House committee procedure. She wanted to ensure that she had a one-sided inquiry. And you know, don't ask me why this isn't common knowledge. A, because the American people don't know how their government works. They don't know how their local government works. They don't know how um, the national government works. They don't know how the state government works. So they don't know whether she's violated the rules or not. And to them, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Meadows, law, uh, Meadows lawsuit also points out that while the chair of the committee can order subpoenas, that authority is not absolute. House Resolution 503 requires that the chair of the committee consult with the ranking member before issuing a subpoena for a deposition. But guess what? Guess what? This committee has no ranking Republican member, which Meadows argues makes the committee subpoenas invalid. Hey, if I were the judge, 
I'd already rule in favor of Meadow. Case closed. Case closed. I mean, don't wouldn't you? I mean, you can't in in, in, in football, you can't catch the pass out of bounds. Now, if this lawsuit is successful, he'll not only block his own subpoena, but he'll get the whole committee declared invalid. And Palsy Pelosi would have to start the committee over again, obeying the rules. And by that time, we'll be closer to the 2022 House vote. And Meadows, in his lawsuit, named every member of the committee as a defendant, not just Palsy Pelosi and the committee as a whole, but every single member. So that means that the two turncoat Republicans who are posing as defenders of the rule of law are going to have to answer the piper as well. They're going to have to explain why they're participating in a committee that violates the principles of the Constitution. Well, out in California, as I started to say a moment ago, there's a small city named Oroville, I'm going to conclude with this, that has voted six to one in favor of a resolution branding the city as a constitutional republic. And the reason they did that, it, 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 it therefore made null and void their orders by the California governor to enforce state and federal COVID-19 mandates. Um, pretty interesting. A constitutional republic, um, uh, they see themselves as entirely different from San Francisco, which calls itself a sanctuary city. Uh, the background they say that the word constitutional has behind it is that the um, document the Constitution protects citizens from the government, protects citizens from government overreach, which was the way it was run in Britain, and um, protects the rights of its citizens against the government. And uh, that's what self-evident unalienable rights are. Um, the second word republic is chosen because it's what America is. Uh, they didn't declare themselves a new country or community or in Oroville, they declared themselves a constitutional republic. Um, I, I thought of this because, as I say, there are people here who are very understanding in, of that term. And so in Oroville, California, you've got a city that declared itself to be a constitutional republic. And um, you can read about it. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. They have an interview with the mayor. Um, it's... Uh, um, probably a good step um, to make that sort of decree and to have that sort of, it's absolutely antithetical from the city of Gainesville. Can you imagine the city of Gainesville um, under the leadership of its council and its mayor declaring themselves to be a constitutional republic? It would change the entire way that they would relate to the public. So, um, we're going to sign off. I see plantation. Mark has got to go to work. I mean, he's got to uh, he got to go out and, and you know provide in the woods, and he got a great camp. He sends me pictures of it now and then. So uh, he's the Renaissance man. He's a great supporter of the show. Really appreciate his friendship and his support. Uh, well, have a great weekend. Um, I thank production for giving us yet one more image of the UFO, which is now really UFP, when it phenomenon, something like that. UA UAP. Yeah, UAP. Yeah, the UFO is now UAP. There it is. Look at it. That's a UAP, unexplained phenomenon. Aerial phenomenon, I guess. Unexplained aerial phenomenon. There you go. Warthog Man Cave Command Center wishes you a good weekend. Ciao.